Hello and welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. This will be our last episode of this season. We're getting very close to Christmas. And today my guest is Jackie Northy. Jackie, thank you for taking some time out of your very busy schedule <laughs> to sit down and have an important conversation with me and welcome back to the podcast. You're welcome. And if anyone hasn't heard your first and only other episode that you've been a guest on, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, and you can go back, I think, two or three years ago. Uh-huh. It was a while ago. Yeah. You you had, uh, the, the conversation was about, you had created this um, project for yourself to spend uh, every day for oh, a right. year. I've forgotten about that. <laughs> posting yeah. something positive on Facebook because there was so much yeah. negativity in social media. Yeah. So that was a really cool story. Yeah. What we're here to talk today about, um, we're in the season of Advent. We're very close to Christmas now. And there's some really cool things happening in our community. We've got, our church has an, a program going on right now, Angels Among Us. We just had the Sugar Plum Ball uh, about a week ago. So you are the probably the best person in the entire town to talk to who would have the best idea really of what's going on behind the scenes in terms of all of this Christmas magic that is centered around the season of giving and generosity and, Mm -hmm. and supporting one another, Mm -hmm. you know, all the stuff that Christmas is supposed to be about. Yep. So if I were a news reporter, which I'm not, I would ask (laughs) you to tell me a little bit about, uh, the event for people who have no idea what we're talking about. What was the sugar plum ball? Let's just start there. Sure. We'll start with the sugar plum ball. It was, it's an event uh, that the, um, Bash United Church dreamt up about, uh, in, I think our first one was in 2018, maybe. About 17, 17 or 18. 17 or 18, yeah. And the purpose of it was because this is a community, Basha is a community that is generally um, a large percentage. I think about 75% of the households are under the um, uh, average income for Alberta. So we're a very low income family. And we realized that there are families who struggle back then, uh, 2018, even then, there was families who struggle and that we wanted to um, create something for Christmas that all children could be part of, that children could uh, feel like they belonged, and it didn't have anything to do with whether they could afford to come or not. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a special evening where mm-hmm. we put a uh, hire a DJ. We have dancing from six o'clock till two o'clock in the morning. Uh, Santa came. Uh, they have little gifts that they got. Um, they just had so much fun, and this year was incredible. We had about 175 kids, wow, in a, which was almost our entire population is for kids, actually. <laughs> yeah. And um, they well, just that's had, probably more. That's about how many kids go to the Basha school. It is the K to 12 school. Yeah, it almost. And we is. did see a similar range of ages. There was babies yep. right up to yep. Um, you know, grade 11, grade 12 teenagers, there was. even some kids that graduated a year or two ago came back yep. and yep. attended. So And had lots of fun. So, yeah. and it was, it was a time, I, th- I think people are always surprised by it because it's, it, we're, we're able to offer that because of the generosity of our community and, mm-hmm. and our congregation for that matter, because, um, what we do to make sure that it can be paid for, we don't really use it as a fundraiser. We didn't this year. We originally started it as a fundraiser and then decided it's just a, a really good thing to do for communities and families. So whether we made money or not had nothing to do with whether we were going to do right. it or not. Now, was that because the first year or two of doing it, um, where it was aiming to be a fundraiser, yeah. you started having families come forward that said, we would love to attend, but 
we don't think we can afford the ticket price. Yeah, and our ticket price was low. It was only $20 per person and $80 for, for, per, for a family. So if they had more than two kids, it was still a good deal. But but that's a lot for people that uh, have to find you know money to pay the bills. And to mm-hmm. and particularly this year, it's way mm-hmm. worse because we, there's uh, you know uh, utilities have all climbed high. Food has climbed really high. It's getting very difficult for families to make yeah. make it work. So so yes, we started it out thinking it would be a little bit of a fundraiser for us and then have decided it's not really. It's a way to give back to our community mm-hmm. and our children and our families in this community that, you know, um, just... Uh, don't necessarily have um, extra extra <laughs> yeah. funding and um, and still have a magical Christmas. So that was good. Um, I I remember when Aubrey was really little, we took her to a princess ball in Red Deer that was very similar. And th- this was this event. Our sugar plum ball is kind of loosely modeled after. Yep. Like there are similar events out there, yes. right, in larger communities. And I know in Red Deer, they because it's such a big community they would have multiple dates of yes. this ball and there would be all the Disney princesses in costume there yep. to meet. And it was this like really huge production, right? Like, yep. and everything of course is more expensive when you're putting on an event in a big hall in Red Deer where five or 600 people are going to be there and yep. there's snacks provided and there's photo booths and all of those magical things that a yep. toddler or a young children that it's aimed towards would love but it is extremely expensive. Yes. Like, and, and theirs was like a fundraiser gala yes. where it was for a great cause. But you, I think we spent, you know, three or $400 to just take one or two kids to this thing. Yeah. And you, you do it because it's a good cause. Yes. And that was kind of where we started was like, this is a good cause for our community yeah. that we want. We need the community's support. This is a great way to raise some money. So like you said, it shifted though into... Yeah. Not everybody can participate that's if right. that's the model. That's right. What can we do as a church to, to create a magical evening that everybody can be involved in? So tell me how the, um, the fairy godmother tickets came yeah. about. So, that, so recognizing at that time, even $20 was a lot for some. That, so we thought a way to, um, to try to alleviate that and allow more children to be able to participate is that we would... Um, create what we called fairy godmother tickets. And those fairy godmother tickets are people in the community that could afford to buy either a family for $80 or a a single ticket for $20. And then we would be able to gift those to the families and children that needed them. And nobody would know the difference because um, I'm, you know, we, we have one or two people that know who the fairy godmothers are and one or two people that know uh, what families need them. And so we just, you know, gently and quietly handed out tickets and Mm. uh, that were purchased uh, by others and it was so if you went to the ball you didn't know who was yeah was, who was there <laughs> under was a fairy discreet. godmother or who wasn't yeah so it was would, very discreet would you you were one of the people then that would have been having these conversations where somebody has to reach out to a mom yeah. that's struggling yeah. and say hey we have some tickets available yep. would you like to come yep. and use like yeah there's no charge would you have been the person making those phone calls? Mostly. And what yeah. were the what were some of those conversations like? Well, the, I mean, obviously, in this community, it's now becoming a usual. Um, people, people, it's not that they expect it because they're always super grateful, but they, it's it. 
we consistently hear all the time, this community is amazing. Like they just can't believe the support that you get. And and so they don't know who the individuals are. For them, it's the community, right? The right. community that supported them. And it's, you know, lots of tears when you offer extra. There's, um, you know, great, they're very, very grateful. I mm. Nobody abuses it. And mm. It's um, it's just it's really it, it, it you feel good. I said if I remember thinking the night before it was like the night before Christmas. I was excited to see all the kids <laughs> and the families come. Yeah. Because they do have so much fun and the kid and the wonder of watching the little ones especially was amazing. So I well, love that. Well, and it's it's not any one thing, right? It's the no. decorations that yep. you have. So that we our church has a committee and half the people on the probably more than half of the people on the committee aren't necessarily even people uh, that come to church quarters, on a Sunday. The three quarters but they want are not. get yeah. involved and yeah. they each, yeah. you know, everyone has their different talents and yep. skills and connections yep. to, yeah. you know, reach out to That's a company right. and get some, the milk donated. The milk for the, was donated by Saputo as an example. Yeah, yeah it was because we did milk and cookies and snacks and everything is free. They when, Once they have a ticket, they don't have to pay for anything and it's all come. So it's, it's lots of fun. And the, the other nice thing that happens through that event is that our older children, so grade seven and up, actually come at the six o'clock time with, uh, when we have the little ones. So we kind of gear things so that the little guys from six to nine have, have an the event, dance floor. <laughs> the dance floor, and then we have the nine to two for the older kids and young adults. And um, what's cool is that those those older kids, those grade seven to twelve, they come and volunteer their time to be on the dance floor with the little ones to welcome them as they walk in the door. So they wear their outfits and tiaras and yeah. yeah. So it's it's like it's a you know even though some of those kids also um, were fairy godmother recipients, they all were giving back right right yeah. off the bat by being there for Ugh. the little ones. So it was really cool. It's yeah. such a beautiful synergy, isn't it? Yeah. And then of course Santa was there, and we yep. had a photo booth yep. with the. Yep. I think the chair came from the church, but the, the, yeah. the, the blue comfy armchair yep. with the yep. the iPad photo booth, and that thing never stopped. No, all uh, night long, right them. to the last minute. Last minute, they took <laughs> yeah. lots of photos. So. And I know our kids were having so much fun with that. Yep. Um, amazing. So, it's it, that in itself is a really cool story, yep. and I'm sure that it should be in the papers, and it should be on CBC Radio, and yep. someone should be just telling the story of this great event yep. that took place. Uh, for me, I'm more interested in, uh, or I'm also interested in more of the backstory. Yeah. So we've touched on it a little bit yeah. already, but the the buzz that you talked about with you know people always making comments about this community yeah. and how giving it is and how there are so many generous people here. One thing that almost doesn't seem to add up or is kind of hard to explain, I think, and people may might not realize is that because we're such a small community in rural Alberta and the cost of living here is lower, maybe we don't have access to all of the different programs and resources and things that larger communities have. We have a lot though for, for our size. We always say we punch way above our weight mm -hmm. in Basha. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of people that end up living here who didn't come here because, you know, they weren't born here. They weren't raised here. They don't have family here, but they just land here because it's a, it's cheaper. So they're yes. still struggling. And, and even the like cheap rent that you can find in Basha, if you can find a place to rent, is way cheaper than it would be in even just Panoka or Lacombe or Red yep. Deer or the towns that are really still smaller communities. Yep. Yep. But they're, it's more expensive than here. So you have all these people that have come here because 
here they can survive. Yes. But then an event happens like this or, you know, inflation happens and interest rates go up and everyone's feeling the pinch and the price of food goes up and the, the budget that the food bank has, for example, that you're also connected to, all of a sudden their budget isn't going as far to buy food because it's more expensive. And at the same time, you have more people coming in the door to receive help. Mm-hmm. In a village, really, Basha is just a little village of 850 people. Mm-hmm. How does a community this small make all of these social support systems and resources survive and work? And but not and not just like barely get by, but like there is an abundance of, of giving and yep. of generosity here. Yep. It's a like literally, it's a phenomenon yeah. that I'm really curious about, yeah. and I can't think of anybody better than you to try to explain what's going on. Well, I'm not sure even that I have all the answers, but here's what I know. When you said that they come here to survive, and they do, lots of people look for smaller communities to live in because it's cheaper to live and they have to stretch their dollars further. Mm-hmm. But they, when they get to Basha, it's not just surviving. Lots of them thrive here, and the thriving is because... Um, it's yes, we have generosity everywhere. We've got community members. I, I'm like I said, I there's no better place to live than Basha. I don't care where you live. It, this is amazing community, but it's not just the generosity of people. It's the systems that we have set up as a small community. So as an example, we have we created a model of service for social services, and social services are things like. Um, you know, the, the programs that we run here at the center, which are for seniors and families and children. And then we also have our school, which is the education is a social support. And we have a lot of, so what we do is we, um, in 2017, actually, we started to work together as, as sectors in our community. So justice and education and post-secondary education and, and our social supports and our health supports, so our pharmacists and our spiritual supports, which is our Basha United Church, all come together on a regular basis to talk about what the needs are and to get ahead of the curve hmm. when we can see something coming down the road. And so what we're able to do is get in front of the challenges and the crises that we know are coming. And so when that happens, <clears throat> we're prepared. And we're prepared, not only are we prepared to um, address what needs to be addressed, but we're also working together to do it. Mm-hmm. So there are, uh, we all sign, you know, individuals who come in sign a confidentiality agreement, so they only have to talk to one person. And they can, in, this sounds so cliche, but it's truth in Basha, is that when you walk in, the, you can walk in any of those doors and get the treat, all the entire service of all six sectors. It doesn't matter which door you walk into, which is incredible, and it truly works. Like, you hear that all the time in larger centers, mm. and you think, yeah, there's a lot of doors to go through, and I don't know which right. one's the right one. But in Basha, literally, you can't walk through any door without getting the full-scale service. And I think that that's what happens is that people come here and and can't believe the kind of supports this little small community has. And, and the model we created, <clears throat> excuse me, the model we, we created, we did a social return on investment for it, and we came out with 11 to 1, which is um, the individual from, uh, he, he was a, a researcher from, uh, worked at the University of Alberta, said that um, this is by far 
um, it's embarrassingly high because he said if we had been able to gather the data from all of the sectors because we were not able to because we weren't prepared to do that ahead of time mm. um, because there's things you have to put in place to evaluate and to gather statistics and because we couldn't he said if we had been able to get the all of it would have been higher than 11 to 1 wow. which is incredible like even something like um, there's lots of l very large charities that are happy for a three to one or a four to one and th wow. that's incredible and we got 11 so that would be a hard thing to measure because when you support someone mm -hmm. or when you donate tickets to yeah. Yeah. a children's christmas ball yeah. how do you know what impact that had so that social return on yeah. that monetary yeah. investment yeah the social return isn't is distinct from an economic return that's right like we talk about um you know Local, supporting your local economy mm -hmm. and every dollar you spend at the local hardware store or the local mm -hmm. meat shop that circulates through your small community seven times or whatever the number is. So yep. it's leveraged, right? You're yep. keeping those dollars local instead yep. of the big box stores in the city. But social return on investment is different than economic return. It is, yeah. What is that and how, how, what kinds of things in this study that were done, that was done, what kinds of things are they measuring? Well, they see, so we could only take a small sector because it, we didn't have enough money. It would have taken us hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to do every yeah, sector. Yeah. So we took the sector of uh, youth, meaning ages 15 and up to young and to young adults up to the age of 30. We took that sector to measure. And the measurements was things like how many completed school, how many got jobs that they wouldn't okay. have had otherwise, uh, how many went to post-secondary, how many felt like they belonged. So you look at all those social factors and mm -hmm. you, you you evaluate them and they actually, um, the individuals in our community participated in that by answering those questions, okay. right? Okay. And so, so we gathered that data both from, we gathered it from the youth and the young adults, we gathered it from their parents, we gathered it from the school, we gathered all kinds of information so it's you're not just getting one person's opinion you're getting a whole community worth of yeah, of yeah. data and so that worked really good and it, it's, it's surprisingly um, how how complex uh, that kind of an evaluation is but so worth the investment because oh, we were able to what we've done with this model uh, of, of working from a social perspective is what we have duplicated it in Alex and partially in Donelda and now we're working with us uh, a community uh, in northern Alberta and um, a larger community of 6,000 that we're trying to duplicate in those to see how that works because the, the northern community has an indigenous population. We're hoping that this model doesn't matter what culture you come from, that it works. Mm -hmm. And then also a larger community to see whether it, it's just a model that works in small communities yeah. or whether in fact whether you can duplicate it in a larger and community. And scale it. I was, yeah. That was actually going to be my next question is... Yeah. Especially when you mentioned uh, like Alex and Donelda and yep. these other hamlets and villages yep. in yep. our surrounding area. Like, is it something in the water in this region of central Alberta? Is it something about the scale of the community and these, you know, under a thousand or, or thereabouts populations where someone walks in and you kind of already know who they are. Yeah. And so when you talked about, you know, it doesn't matter which mm -hmm. door you walk in, you can talk to someone at what used to be Basha District Support Services yeah. and is now the Basha Community Resource Center. Center yeah. Or you can come, so whether you're coming in to use the food bank yep. or, or you go into the local RCMP detachment or you talk to the school principal or you come into yeah. your office as the yeah. Basha Adult Learning Coordinator, that any of those 
points of contact can be the the road in. Yeah. But does that break down when you, and maybe you don't know the answer yet because you're just starting this process of of taking what has been created here and mm-hmm. trying to, uh, well, is it that you're coaching other communities or how, how is that? Yeah, working? we're mentoring. But, uh, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> What's interesting about this whole thing is it's it's really not about, it's funny, as we, as we introduce this model to other communities, they want to know, okay, so how much money do we need and what positions do we need to hire? Right. And it doesn't come down to positions and money. What it comes down to is mindset. And the mindset is, in this community, the mindset is, um, children, all children are our children, as an example. Mm. That's one example of our, our mindset now. Yeah. So when we get together as organizations and, and institutions in this community and we're collaborating, we don't just collaborate by, yeah, we're going to work together and we're going to accomplish this. We collaborate by throwing all of our resources in the middle of the table and saying, okay, who does best? Who does it best? So mm-hmm. if you do it best in this section, then I'll let that go from mine because why duplicate the effort yeah. and I'll strengthen another area. Yeah. And so that's what we've done in, since 2017. And so where we're, so as an example, we are very involved at the school and we, we provide a lot of support to the school so that the teachers can teach and that we have the ability to support the, the kids emotionally or the families emotionally. And so there's a lot of, it's a complex, it's not complex in this, in how it gets set up, but it's complex in that it doesn't really matter what the issue is. We almost always can find a solution. Hmm. And so, you know, bring it back to Christmas time as an example in Basha, everybody in Canada right now is suffering from high rates of everything, high rates of utilities, high rates of food, high rates of, it just things cost a lot right now, gas. And, and so we're all facing that. And yet we call for Christmas hampers in this community, um, you know, for, for people to support those with funds and gifts and that sort of thing. And, um, right now in Basha, 14% of our f- households are in need of a Christmas hamper. 14%. Wow. It's huge. What would be, and do you know what it would be, say, five years ago? Um, no, I, I don't, but it's high. This is the highest we've yeah. ever had. But what's interesting about it is we have the need, but we have just as much or more generous people stand giving, coming yeah. giving so so as an example when they found out that we have that many families in need that are really struggling then they stepped up more so we'd have people that took an angel we, we have what we call an angel tree where we put um each angel has the name of a or not the name we don't use the names but they might say a boy 14 years or right. a little girl seven years or whatever with maybe a wish list and those those angels um, got ta- have been taken off the tree by lots of people. Some people took several, and then came back when they heard that we had so much need and to wow. just take more. Or we had individuals that just gave cash to say, you know, use you, it where you need wherever it, wherever you need it. Yeah. Yeah, and so and and it exponentially it grew to the point where yes, we have lot lots and lots of families, but we also now have lots and lots of resources to support them, and mm. that that shouldn't match because no. all people are suffering right now with yeah. this, the cost of living and it doesn't doesn't pan out for you to say well you know 
so it's not like everybody in is is flush with cash. No, and if you <laughs> you're so know. not only are your own household expenses higher and yeah. so your own budget is tighter. Yeah. But then when you think, oh, I should go and pick up a turkey yeah. to donate for a hamper, yeah. that turkey costs 25% That's more right. than it did a That's year right. ago. That's so right. then it's an even bigger act of generosity to do that in a time where you're the least yeah. able to, you yeah. would think. That, that, so, well, that's what we believe, yeah, right? So we were concerned. Logic. We were concerned at the beginning of the season that we were going to have a tough time getting through it because mm-hmm. we anticipated more families, and we anticipated less fun, less funds, less less um, support giving because yeah. so many more families would need support. And it was just the opposite. Yes, we had more families. We had got that part right. <laughs> but we didn't get the part right around a generosity. And it's not just generosity. They're giving they're giving because it's their community and they care about their community. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so there's lots of places to give in the world um, that they can give their dollars to other, other communities, other organizations, you know, cancer funds, all kinds of things that people really have uh, a wish to support. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, so many have chosen to support here in Basha. And so I think it's a reflection both of how the community works together, what we've created together as far as our institutions and our agencies and our organizations are concerned. Um, so leadership in general, it's yeah, a right. leadership. Yeah. And then then the community um, being responsive to that leadership and saying, this is worth it. This is a, th- these children are our children and we don't want to see children go without. Yeah. So, I mean, the power of of effective leadership is hard to overstate. Yeah. If you you could take two identical groups of kids, yeah. and when you have a really effective coach, let's say like with a hockey team or a soccer yeah. team or something, and you provide the that same that group of kids really effective leadership, yeah. they're going to perform better. They're going to they're going to progress their skills faster. They're going to win more games compared to the, exactly the same group of kids with a coach that. It, isn't providing as good of leadership. That's right. Like with with just that one variable yeah, change. Just, yeah, just a leadership. And so the people good. in the community they do respond to that. I don't know how you're how people are finding out that there's more need, or if it's just like it's kind of understood that there's just going to be more people. I honestly struggling. believe it was an it, it was just understood. I, I I don't. We didn't say anything different. Really. We didn't advertise it or promote it any different. It was just. In fact, we didn't even have the angels up on the tree. And we had people asking if the angels were wow. going up on the tree. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't think it's that we had to recruit or we had yeah. to promote more. It's just this community has a culture now. Right. Of and it is a culture. It's a cultural shift from when we were, you know, bef- prior to two thousand and let's say fifteen. We had fifty nonprofit organizations that were all struggling for volunteers for funding, using the same pot of money because we were all lived here mm-hmm. to try to raise the funds they needed. To so we shifted from that, uh, you know, sort of a survival mode um, to a thriving mode that it no longer mattered who did who who, who got the credit for things mm-hmm. who who delivered the the resource whose what, logo was on it whose logo <laughs> was on it that doesn't matter anymore and it. And it and it doesn't matter to the people and it does to the uh, that are being served and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter to the people who are serving. Well, the the sugar plum ball is the perfect example of that because I bet you, like I'm the chair of the board of the United yeah. Fashion United Church yep. and I could I can almost certainly tell you that most of the people who were at that event 
would not have even known that it was the Bash United Church that put it on. No. They just knew that it was the Sugar Plum Ball. That's right. And everyone at school was talking about it. And everyone in the community was talking about it. And it was, you wanted to be there for the Sugar Plum Ball. So we've truly... um, are living that out, yeah. uh, that principle. It's about of, being that ch- mindset. It's of, about being church in the community, right? Yeah, really, that's what it is, <laughs> and that's what we. That is where we are. And in fact, I had a conversation with an um, an individual. Not a conversation, but I was I was writing a message to somebody, and I said, you know, um, what we learned through COVID is that um, it's it's being in the community is 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 important because when your building gets shut down. And the mandated shutdown, how do you have people receive their spiritual supports because they can't come in the building? So it's not about being in the building. It's about being out in the community. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and our church is, like all the other organizations and sectors in this community, is participating outside of their building. And so if the building were to burn down tomorrow, we would still have... Um, a, 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 a church in our yeah. community, right? Because the people still exist and mm. they're still here, and it's and it's not about where you know who shows up. It's on Sunday mornings. Yeah, so it's not about <laughs> that one hour. No, like Robin, our minister, always says, it's it's we're a seven day a week church. Yeah, we are. We so, are. But so is this community. It's a seven yeah. day a week community, right? It, it's <laughs> like everywhere you go, it's it's um. I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm sure people get sick of me talking about how proud I am of this community, <laughs> but I am so proud of this community because it's just a little micro, uh, micro, um, uh, sort Microcosm? of, yeah, yeah. Uh, in and of itself, but, but it could be duplicated anywhere because it's just really about how you work together, how you yeah. collaborate, how you, yeah. how you, um, engage others, and people how are responsive people you are, wherever you go. Yeah, doesn't matter. So one thing I wanted to circle back to that you mentioned is you said we shifted from a mindset uh, to a mindset where every child in the community is viewed as our communities. Like is ours. Our children. Not just some kid, but they belong to all of us. Yes. Um, I've seen the way human behavior starts to shift when you start to gather people in large enough numbers that everyone becomes anonymous and you yourself become anonymous. Yeah. And you might be, you know, looking for pajamas for your kid in an old Navy in South Edmonton and surrounded by all these people that you don't recognize anybody. So you feel anonymous. Yeah. But it, there starts, there gets to be a point I've noticed where your actions and other people's actions, you start to not think about the ripple effect and the repercussions of your choices and your behavior on others because mm-hmm. you don't know them yeah. and they don't know you. Yeah. So if someone sees you do something that's kind of rude or you button line, well, you're never going to deal with that particular person again. So yeah. it doesn't matter. And there starts to be this fear that creeps in of like, there's not going to be enough mm-hmm. for everyone because there's 1.2 million people here that's right. and I need to look out for myself. I need yep. to look out for me and mine. So you could take the sugar plum ball and put it at West Edmonton Mall Mm -hmm. and put out a table of candy canes or cookies and milk and you would have people just grab handfuls and then people at the back of the line would, oh, sorry, there's none left. What we saw here in Basha was, so each child that came received this little stuffy called a Squishmallow that are all the rage right now. My kids are obsessed with them. Yep. 
and every kid got one. Mm-hmm. I remember when Kelly and Shannon were they were buying them, and Kelly was packaging them and putting yep. a little candy cane in a in a cellophane thing with each one to to be handed out when Santa was there. And there came a point where you let the girls know that like, oh, we're getting a lot of ticket sales. Yeah. And Kelly and Shannon were like, oh, I hope we have enough Squishmallows. Yeah. And but not from like a place of scarcity or stressing about it but just like you don't want a kid to go without because they're all our kids right Mm -hmm. but then the event happens and the kids are all lined up and i'm in the back of my head i'm thinking like oh boy i hope that there isn't any kids that don't end up with one at the end of the night there were not only did every kid get one at the end of the night there was extras and and a couple kids like got a second one and i thought how is this happening Yeah, yeah when you know, there we had the most kids at the event that we've ever had in all the years that we've done it, yeah. and yet we didn't run out. But yeah. every, there's just there's this abundance phenomenon when you have a mindset of looking out for everyone versus just looking out for yourself. That's right. And I think what starts to happen is that is that whole anonymous thing where if if you start to feel anonymous and other people are anonymous and they're not there's not that personal connection. That's right. People just start to hoard. They start to take. They start to take more than they need because there's a fear of there things running out. Yeah. Well, it's like we saw with toilet paper in COVID. Yes. Like, do you, does anybody need an entire shopping cart full of to- bags of toilet paper? Of course not. Yeah. But the fear of three weeks from now not being able to find toilet paper had people buying 10 times more than what they needed. That's right. Yeah. And so that hoarding phenomenon le- created a... a uh, a shortage where people were going without. Absolutely. But not, it didn't have to happen. No, There no. was enough. There was, And we yeah. see that in our whole world. There's enough food to go around. There's yeah. enough money to go around yeah. for everybody to have abundance or to at least have security and not be, um, you know, and not be in but such you need. But you see, you're, you're pointing to an, a thing, I think, that we've identified <clears throat> in Basha. Um, and I think actually it was uh, Sergeant Bruce Holiday that first said it, because when he came to Basha, we had I think in 2016 Basha had had 38 kids charged with youth crimes. Wow! By 2020, we were down to zero. And what what we attribute that to is 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 that they the the youth started to feel like they belonged here, <clears throat> and you don't want to. You don't want to steal from your neighbor. You don't want to vandalize somebody who you know cares about you or or is watching out for you, hmm. right? So it, it's something happened in that four years that the youth went from thirty eight youth uh, youth crimes to zero. Wow! And so what we know is. I say this all the time when I'm presenting about our community, <clears throat> that this bash is not a safe place for criminals. <laughs> and it's not because people people watch over their children they wa- and other people's children. They watch over uh, people's property. They watch out. So, you know, um, the, the, in that four-year period that we were monitoring, there was individuals who moved in that we didn't know and that were part of crime rings, but they moved on because it's just not safe to be here if you're a criminal. It's, not it's go really well for not. You. It's not. It's not going to go well, and it doesn't mean that we don't still have crime because we do. And there's lots of you know, but but we're being hit with crime not by the people who live here right. so much. The traveling. There's, criminals. We've had some criminals in our community, sure. as all have, and and they're you know lots of times. Um, I mean, I I don't like to 
to say they're all terrible people because lots of times they've just been, they've had life trauma and things that have caused them to be, you know, to, to, to be meet, desperate, to be to desperate. Be, yeah. yeah. Or, and, and it becomes a way of life, right. And mm-hmm. it's hard to break free from that. But, but in general, even those, those, the, you know, the people who live here care about this town. They care about their, the people, they care about their children. They care about our properties and they take care, we take care of each other. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we don't have people that fight and people that aren't, you know, sometimes have moments of just, you know, being mad at something or someone or some issue. Hey, we've seen the world become more polarized. Absolutely, in the last few and years and, than the, ever. and through COVID, we had, you know, some we had the usual that all communities had, where some um, were <clears throat> really wanted to follow mandate and some didn't, and and that, you know, that's just people. We all have different we have different views of the world. But as a whole, even though we have those differences in this community, there's still the the universal, I like to call it love, of the, of the community and of the people mm. that makes that difference, even if you have different ideas and different ways of looking at the yeah, world. Yeah, you can just set it aside. <clears throat> yeah, they, they do. They set it aside, and, and, and most do. We, mm-hmm. The odd time you'll see the odd person <clears throat> that really has a difficult time. Um, Letting it Letting go of it. Letting go, and but you know what? That's part of being a human being too. And 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 we still love them, <laughs> even if they're having bad days. <laughs> so before we wrap up here, I we were, we talked about the angels on the angel tree. Yep. Um, that are people in need that, uh, that get supported with a hamper or yep. some gifts for uh, you know for their children or whatever yep. is needed. There's another angel program that yep. our church has yep. that I'd like you to just speak about briefly. Yep. Just, there's so much, right? Like, it's not just the sugar plum ball. It's no. not just the hampers and the angel tree. It's There's so much going on in this town, and we could talk for hours about yep. it. But the just before we wrap up, we've got an Angels Among Us campaign that we've been running for a few years. That's we right. can talk about that briefly. And then I was just uh, grabbing the microphones from the church a few minutes ago, and Carrie said, "Oh, you're interviewing Jackie. Make sure you talk about the um, the the care packages for seniors." Yes, yes. So, yeah. what are all some some of these other programs so, and things that our church is involved in? Yeah. So, so yeah, we we take good care of our children and our families, but we also have amazing seniors that built this community, and lots of them don't necessarily have family close by. So, what we do is. We, we have Angels Among Us is a December um, event for us. And kind it's of a the, campaign. It's a campaign, a, a yeah. December campaign. That's a better choice than an event, yeah. De- a December campaign. And what we do, we have a couple of things we do. We, so we do the sugar plum ball for children and families. We do uh, stockings. So this year they're in gift bags, but last year they were in stockings that we just distribute with little things that, you know, seniors who maybe just to know, just just to let them know we're thinking about them and that Merry Christmas, and we distribute them to our Basha Meadows, which is um, DSL four. So we've got um, uh, DSL four is uh, long term care okay. in the bottom, uh, the great the first level, and then the second level is lodge. So we deliver to all of those places. We deliver to all of our seniors housing and any seniors that we know in the community that could use a little pick me up. So we do mm-hmm. that. Um, and that we and we distribute those throughout the uh, the season. Do you and know then, how many got made? Uh, about a hundred. Wow. About a hundred. So that was pretty good. And then we also do where people can nominate individuals who um, 
who have done something that they really want to be uh, recognized. They want them to be recognized for something. And they don't have to say what it is, but they just nominate them. Lots of people do say what it is. but uh, And so we put little angels. Um, we create created some laminated angels. We hang on the banners or ba- banister, the banister yeah. at the church. And we put it on social media to uh, acknowledge them. And then they all get a little toque with a logo of the angels. We created an Angels Among Us logo about, I don't know, five years ago. Yeah, five years ago or so. Yeah, and so they all get that. So we just try to create that season of, of generosity and giving. And our yeah. and our community just is amazing at it. it just honestly, keeps stepping up. It just steps like, up and steps you'd up. You'd think that... We've, you know, we've talked about so many different programs that are that receive so much support. Yep. And then you'd think that, you know, someone comes along and has a great idea, like, hey, let's do mm-hmm. um, care packages for seniors. The response to that could so easily be, well, we've already, you know, we're asking people to donate to yep. so many different things already that that's just another thing yep. that you're going out and asking local businesses and yep. people to donate to and uh, like at some point, there it feels like there. Surely there must be a generosity saturation point yeah. where you can't push beyond. But there doesn't seem, seem to, be, to be one. Not not here. I don't know. There might be in other communities, but in our community, there doesn't seem to be a saturation point. Honestly, and it's and 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 we keep things affordable if we can. We do mm-hmm. as many things as we can to support our 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 community. And like I said, I think the biggest thing is. Um, in the church or the school or the wherever, whichever of our sectors it is, it's about being out there, not about insisting people walk mm. through our door to mm-hmm. be served. It's about us going out and, and serving just as you would if you went to a third world country, right? You mm-hmm. go out there, we send people there all the time. Well, it's not, we're not a third world country, but we still have families and, and children and seniors who, who suffer, right? They suffer with... Um, depressions, anxieties, all kinds of things that, that if you belong to a community that cares, then mm-hmm. you, you know, we're out there. They don't yeah. have to walk in the door to get support. Yeah. We can find them. Last week, I was just something you said made me think of a visual of something I saw last week when I was at um, my cousin's son, Chanson's funeral service in Calgary. So this is at a really large church in yeah. Calgary. And at one of the doors to, as you're leaving the building, there's this sign above the door that said, you are now entering the mission field. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I read that. I thought that's really clever yeah. because we say that all the time. You know, you're, it's not about what happens here inside the building. It's what you take that message, Christ's message of love and yeah. just that way of living, um, with love in your heart, yes. really. Yeah. Um, and of and being of service, yeah, and you and taking that energy and that message and that story out into the community, yeah, and we see it here in it like just in spades, yeah, where it's to the point of ridiculousness, yeah, but it's true. It's not. It's every day and every interaction that you have is an opportunity to live out your faith, yep, and it's not about the faith, the institution, the church, the organization. It's just about a mindset and a, a spiritual place of coming from that yep. is yep. about service and about love. Yeah. That, and, and that's the point, right? If all of our institutions, whether that be a church or a school or, a, or our center here, if you all understood that, you know, if the buildings burnt down, we, it's the people that we're serving and it's the people who are serving the people. And really the building 
insisting that people come in a building to get a service <coughs> is a really difficult thing. Mm. Lots of them can't walk in the door. And so when a church gets out there or a, uh, you know, um, our center gets out there in with the people, it makes it, it does make the difference. And it is a mindset shift. It is a mindset shift for we'll sit here and wait for you to come, mm. which is how, you know, in urban centers, it's there are t- street teams and so forth for those places that are in crisis. But but we're, not everybody's in crisis. Some people just need to be, you know, to be acknowledged and need to be recognized mm. and, and to be, hi, how are you? Yeah, right? to and feel so, thought yeah, of, like yeah, you said. Yeah, So And our churches do the same thing. We, we have meetings and um, create strategies and plans around how we can be more, more welcoming. And, but we're yeah. still just sitting there waiting for people to come. Yeah, yeah. And, we're, and you see churches dwindling and dying yeah. as a result of that. Yeah. When you step outside of your comfort zone and outside of your walls. Yeah. It's amazing what can happen. Yeah. Well, and like I said, through COVID, our minister, Robin King, coined a phrase that was, uh, what was the phrase? It's... uh, Love is never canceled. Yeah. uh, Love love knows no distance and kindness is never... And compassion are never canceled. And compassion are never canceled. That's right. And we live those words. We do. We live those words as a church, so... Pretty cool. Well, that's a great place to wrap it up, I think. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's pr- a pretty inspiring story. Yeah, it is. That I'm glad that you're sharing it. I'm glad that you've shared it today on the podcast because no doubt people hearing this will not have known you yeah. know, most of this story. Yeah. Um, so hopefully lots of people yeah. will hear it and share yeah. it. If, if you're listening right now and you like this story, please do share this episode with your friends. You can share it on social media. It would also be really helpful... Um, for you to subscribe to the podcast. And here's why. This is the last episode of season five of Six Race from Sunday. We do have some plans to do a bit of rebranding. We're going to keep the name, but maybe come up with a, a fresh new logo for season six of Six Race from Sunday, starting in January. And um, a great list of guests that are going to be coming up on the show. So to get alerts about new upcoming episodes as they come out, all you have to do is be subscribed um, to the podcast. So you can look it up on iTunes or, or wherever you listen to your podcasts on your mobile podcast app. And you can also go back through past episodes of the last five years. Uh, we've got 120 something fantastic uh, conversations just like this one. And those can be found on our website at risingspiritministry.com. Uh, and just click on the button that says media and then podcasts is below that. So, uh, again, Jackie, thank you thank for this. You. You're a me. very busy lady. I'll let you get back to <laughs> okay. saving the world. I got work to do. And helping people. Yes, you do. That, that is work that never ends. Yeah, it's true. Um, but it's clear that you love doing it and that your heart and passion are in it. So thank you for your gifts and for sharing them and for sharing the story. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everybody, again, for listening. And until next time, take care, be well, and have a Merry Christmas. <laughs>